Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today on the program, Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins honor the faith-filled life and legacy of prophecy scholar Dr. Ed Heinsen. The August edition of the Prophecy in the News magazine is out now, featuring timely articles examining the conflict in Ukraine, the road to World War III, the One World Religious Center, and much more. Subscribe today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can subscribe at our website, swrc.com. The Prophecy in the News magazine. Dr. Ed Heinsen was an American Christian evangelist and host of The King is Coming, a syndicated television broadcast shown across the United States. Dr. Heinsen wrote more than 20 books that deal with Bible prophecy, and he was a professor of Old Testament studies and eschatology at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. He was also a frequent speaker on prophecy in conferences, at churches, and right here on Watchmen on the Wall. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins, come now to remember the life and legacy of Dr. Ed Heinsen. Hello, I'm Ed Heinsen. I'm the teacher on the King is Coming broadcast, but I'm also a professor at Liberty University in Virginia, and I've had the privilege of teaching 100,000 students in the last 30 years. I love to take the Bible, open the Word of God, and make the complicated simple and apply it to people's lives. I want to be your teacher. That was the voice of Dr. Ed Heinsen with his signature opening for the King is Coming television program. He said that he wanted to be your Bible teacher, and he was just that. He was a Bible teacher to so many people. Dr. Ed Heinsen died earlier this year on July 2nd. He was only 77 years old. I first became acquainted with Dr. Heinsen's ministry when I heard him as a guest on this very radio program many, many years ago, and that led to me finding him on television where he was the host of The King is Coming. In the years since, I have read most of Dr. Heinsohn's 40 books, and I've really come to appreciate him as one of the best Bible teachers in America. Today, on this special edition of Watchmen on the Wall, I want to talk about Dr. Heinsohn and his legacy. I'm joined in the studio by the host of this program, Dr. Larry Spargimino. Dr. Spargimino, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with me about Dr. Ed Heinsohn. Great to be here. He certainly was a great man, and we will miss his teaching, his voice, his love. I just think it was a real loss, but all things are right with God, and we know he's in a better place. Well, let me take just a minute to read a portion of Dr. Heinsohn's obituary. Dr. Ed Heinsohn, age 77, of Forest, Virginia, ran through the gates of heaven into the throne room of his Lord and Savior on Saturday, July the 2nd, 2022. Surrounded by his loving family, Ed passed from this life bound by time into eternal life with a hopeful smile on his face and his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith. Born in Detroit, Michigan on December 21, 1944, he was the son of the late Edward James Heinsohn and Helen Snyder Heinsohn. 
In addition to his parents, his brother Ronald Heinsohn preceded him in death. Ed was a well-known teacher. He served at the School of Divinity at Liberty University as a professor of religion for over 35 years. He is survived by his wife of 55 years, Donna Jean, two daughters, Linda and Christy, one son, Jonathan, and seven grandchildren. Dr. Spargimino, what were your thoughts just then as I read Ed Heinsohn's obituary? I've known Ed personally for several years. I can say that he was a great teacher. We sometimes think that seminary professors confuse people, but he did not. He had a down-to-earth style, didn't he? Yes, he had a down-to-earth style. I remember Marvin and I had lunch with him a couple of years ago. Marvin McIlvaney, our producer. Yes. Of the program. yes. And the thing that was so beautiful about Dr. Heinsohn was he was real. What you saw over the lunch counter was what you get. That's the real Ed. And yet, in his teaching, it was profound, it was deep, it was wonderful. And it was so clear that it was exciting. He was an exciting teacher because he knew the truth. And the truth came through him in a wonderful way. Now, you knew Dr. Heinsohn, as you said, for several years, and you also spoke with him. You interviewed him several times, and you also spoke with him at several conferences over the years. What do you remember most about him? There were several things that he taught about the pre-trib rapture that stick with me. I find them very helpful. There were two things in particular that I want to mention. First of all, Dr. Heinzen said the nature of the tribulation is that it is a time of preparation for Israel's restoration and conversion. So basically, there's no good reason for the church to be in the tribulation. And you know, that really makes sense. The presence of the church on earth during the tribulation doesn't fit the tribulation. The tribulation is not about the church. And he made that so clear, and I I find it hard that anyone could miss it, (laughs) although some people do. And you know, James, if you look at tribulation passages, and there are plenty of those, you will readily see that for the church to be in the tribulation would be an anomaly, an irregularity. So my thought on that is that Dr. Heitzen was right. To have the church in the tribulation would be like having a parakeet in a chicken coop. It just doesn't fit. And I know I can use that illustration, and as we were speaking, he always had that twinkle in his eye. He loved what he was saying. Now, the second thing that I really remember, Dr. Heinsohn said the nature of the church is that it is a mystery, according to Ephesians 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. Jews and Gentiles are united in one body. So that's why the church, as defined in the New Testament, did not exist in the Old Testament. Yes, in Old Testament Israel, there did exist the people of God, the congregation, but it was not the church. And we have to make that distinction. And he always kept those dispensational pre-trib distinctions foremost. So when he spoke on these great themes, you always knew where he was going, what he was saying, what he meant. And you said, yeah, I see that. I find that in the scriptures. And he pointed out that Pre-tribulationism alone consistently maintains the distinction between Israel and the church, and I think that's important. Dr. Heinsohn taught the importance of this fact. There is no purpose for the church to be unearthed during, quote, the time of Jacob's trouble. So Dr. Heinsohn was an astute observer of these nuances and teachings in the Bible. He consistently applied these insights to his eschatology, and I think the clarity the depth of understanding, and the joy that he had and expressed when he taught on these topics 
will always stick with me. And like I say, he will be greatly missed. Well, I was blessed to have been able to interview Dr. Heinsen just last year in October of 2021. Our conversation focused on Israel because we were talking about his book, Target Israel. But we also talked about his salvation, his call to the ministry, and heaven. Let's go now to the radio vault and listen to that interview from October 19th, 2021. Here is Dr. Ed Heinsen discussing his book, Target Israel. Dr. Heinsen, it's an honor to have you on the program with me today. Thank you very much. I've always loved talking about Israel. God said it was the apple of his eye, that he put his name there, and that he always had a special plan and purpose for the nation and people of Israel. Well, Dr. Heinsen, you're very well known in Bible prophecy circles. How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? I actually grew up in a non-Christian home in Detroit, Michigan. I was saved in vacation Bible school. My mother saw a flyer advertising it and sent me there as a child. I went and heard that Jesus loved me, that he died for my sins, that he rose from the dead and could offer me the gift of eternal life and a home in heaven forever. And best of all, it was free. I recognized a good deal and (laughs) raised my hand and said yes. The lady that dealt with me, Mrs. Johnson, was very thorough and very careful in explaining the seriousness of that decision. And it was life-changing for me and then ultimately changed the whole trajectory of our family in the years to come. Well, would you mind sharing a little bit about your call to ministry? I sensed a call to ministry very early on. I would say by the time I was 10 to 12 years old, I felt like God was already putting it in my heart that he wanted me to preach and teach. I can remember as a teenager going to these large Youth for Christ rallies in Detroit, thousands of people, and thinking, I want to do that. Later in college, I actually worked on the staff with them and was a Bible club director in high schools around the Detroit area. After college, became a youth pastor, then a pastor. The whole time, I had a long educational career. I've got degrees coming out of my ears. My parents were uneducated eighth-grade dropouts, so I kind of overdid it. But the whole time, I was always actively involved in real ministry with real people, and I think that's a key, so that you're not just studying the Bible intellectually, but you're applying its truths to the lives of real people on a regular basis. Amen. Well, a few years ago, before he passed away, you co-wrote the book Target Israel with Tim LaHaye. Tell me about Tim LaHaye and how you came to write this book together. I've known Tim for over 30 years. Good personal friends often gave each other advice about various things, and at one point, Tim and I and Gary Frazier did 75 prophecy conferences together in the early 2000s. We were traveling all over America dealing with issues related to what the Bible had to say about the present and about the future, etc. And in the process of that, all of us were very convinced Israel was the key to the last days, that end-time prophecies assume Israel will be back in the land in the last days. The fact that they're there gets my attention. Tim was very burdened about fact that Israel was often in what he called the crosshairs of the end times under attack 
ideological critics, social, political, and religious adversaries of all kinds, especially in the Middle East. And so we wrote that book to explain who Israel is, why they're there, why it's important, and what God says about them in relation to the future. Chapter 3 of the book Target Israel is titled, The Miracle of Israel's Existence. And you write, From the start, the fact of Israel's existence can only be described as a miracle. A 99-year-old man named Abraham and his 90-year-old wife Sarah became the parents of Isaac, the child the Lord promised to build into a nation. Would you elaborate on the miraculous beginnings of Israel? I think it's interesting in Genesis that you have this seed promise from the beginning of Genesis. Adam and Eve fall into sin. God comes seeking them in the garden, not abandoning them, calling to them in the fallen place, Adam, where are you? And calls them to come to him so that he can deal with what they've done in disobedience, but also give them hope for redemption in the future. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he gives the first messianic prophecy of the Bible that ultimately the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, that if somebody would enter the human race that would be given the power of God to defeat the power of Satan. Now, God did not tell them who it would be, when it would be, but you're left with that promise in the early chapters of Genesis. And then the seed promise passes on through Noah's family, and then from there to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc., What's interesting in those early patriarchal stories in Genesis is they're all having a hard time getting pregnant. Sarah can't get pregnant. Rebecca can't get pregnant. Leah and Rachel are caught in a conflict of trying to win Jacob's favor, etc. But behind the scenes, God is definitely at work. And I think he deliberately allowed Abraham and Sarah to wait until they're old age before he reversed the natural process. She had already gone through her change of life, the scripture says, and God reversed that and allowed her to get pregnant so that the Jewish race would be started by a miraculous birth. It took a divine miracle intervention of God to bring about the birth of Isaac through natural parents but natural parents who've gone beyond the age of bearing children. And then God would intervene again, ultimately, to help Rebecca conceive and continue to bless the promise of the seed, so that when the promise of the seed, traced from the Old Testament, goes into the New Testament, and Jesus is conceived of a virgin, miraculously, and you have the miracle of the virgin birth, there are always some who say, well, that's a biological impossibility, that can't happen, surely that's not what occurred here. I've even had Jewish friends say to me, I think Jesus was a good man and a good teacher, but he surely couldn't have been the sinless son of God. That whole story of the virgin birth is just beyond imagination. My response to that is, wait a minute, if you're Jewish, the whole Jewish race is beyond imagination. It started with a miracle birth with Isaac, and it culminates with a miracle birth with Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. 
that God was deliberately orchestrating a process that he was going to bring to fulfillment, and that in Christ, he's the seed who's the sinless one who goes to the cross, dies for our sin, triumphs over the power of Satan, and ultimately crushes the head of the serpent. Dr. Heinsohn, after 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed and the people were scattered, there came a regathering in 1948, the return of the Jewish people to the promised land. Now, the Bible indicates that the regathering of Israel will occur in stages. Would you explain the Valley of the Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37 and how that prophecy is being fulfilled in stages now? In that prophecy, the prophet Ezekiel looks down into the distant future. And he sees Israel as a nation of, in essence, dead bodies, skeletons strewn out across the desert. That The passage clearly says uh, these bones are the whole house of Israel. People, again, misunderstand that all the time. I've heard well-meaning people talk about revival in the church and we need to stir up the dry bones again, but that's not what that passage is talking about. Uh, it's talking about Israel being regathered back to the promised land in the last days. And the prophecy goes on to say that the Spirit of God moved and the bones began to come together. And you have that famous passage about the hip bone, knee bone, ankle bone, etc. All the bones come together and form these skeletons. Then flesh and muscle grows on them, but they're still not animated by life until the Spirit of God blows on them and they come to life. So the implication, I think, very clearly in that passage is God would one day regather the people of Israel back to the Promised Land in unbelief. They'd go back physically, and they have. And that ultimately that would set the stage for a national conversion that would come in the future when all Israel would be saved and put their faith in Yeshua HaMashiach as the Messiah. What we're saying today is that virtually half the Jewish people in the entire world now live in the nation of Israel. That's incredible in and of itself. At the beginning of the 20th century, there was only a handful of Jews in Israel. And as time went on, God brought more and more back to the land put it in their heart to return to the land, and then the events of World War I and World War II propelled them in that direction. Today, Israel is one of the most prosperous nations on the planet, yet a nation that is constantly under threat, under attack, caught in the crosshairs of the end times. All of this is what we should have anticipated based on Ezekiel's prophecy. The final invasion that Ezekiel predicts will come from the north, presumably Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan, etc., from north, south, east, west, every direction. That has never happened. That is yet to happen in the future. And as the nations keep lining up more and more in that direction with hostility toward Israel, again, that ought to get our attention. The clock is ticking. Time is moving on toward that final event. It seems that America's relationship with Israel has cooled a little bit. In the last defense bill, there was an attempt to pull funding for the Iron Dome missile defense system. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge for several reasons. One, I think you have in the more 
liberal political wing of American politics and anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish attitude that is continuing to grow. Now that we have Muslims elected to Congress who can give voice to criticism to Israel, like Tlaib, you have these voices speaking out, denouncing Israel, yet not being willing to denounce atrocities that are perpetrated by the Palestinians themselves. So you have a mixed bag of political interest going on there. On the other side of it, I think theologically, in the day and age in which people's theology is driven by their cell phone more than by the Bible, they're exposed to views of prophecy and eschatology that most evangelical Christians were not exposed to before. And in a lot of reform circles, the view is that God does not have a plan for Israel per se as a national people, that the church has replaced Israel in the plan of God, and in fact, many teach the church is the new Israel, and that the promise of the blessings to Israel now go to the church. Well, when you have people teaching that, believing that, then you're not going to come to the defense of national Israel at all. That in some cases, you have voices stating that in pastors' conferences and theological conferences, and even pastors who believe Israel should be defended often feel squelched and quieted and do not speak out in their defense. And as a result, as America's Christian public becomes more and more theologically and biblically illiterate, they move further and further away from a clear understanding of what is God's purpose for Israel in relation to his purpose for the church. The next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. What will happen to Israel after the rapture of the church? Won't they be the focus of the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation? I believe they will. While there is a growing remnant of born-again Messianic believers in Israel, I've had the privilege of preaching in many of their assemblies over there, people that are very much Jewish by nationality, but very much Christian by theology, and very committed to Jesus as their personal Savior, they're still a minority. The vast majority are still either in unbelief of rejecting Christ as the Messiah, or in many cases simply just neglecting Him as Messiah. And if the rapture were to occur anytime soon and church believers are caught away, I think there's enough leadership in Israel that would be left behind that realize the rapture's occurred. They know the Bible the guides, the scholars, the archaeologists, and some of the rabbis know enough of the New Testament to know what it teaches, even if they do not believe it. And if they were to see that, I think that's going to be the super shocker that God will use to get Israel's attention and bring them to national conversion. I also believe that that's, according to the book of Revelation, the time during which, after the rapture, during the time of tribulation or Jacob's trouble, God will raise up the two witnesses, who are two Jewish leaders that are proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, telling their own people, we've been left behind, we need to come to faith in Christ right now, and thousands then will be converted. God will use them to spread the message of the gospel during the time of tribulation, in spite of the judgments that are falling at that time. Dr. Heinsohn, what's your next project that you have coming out? 
Well, I have a brand new book out right now called Future Glory, and it's all the good news about Bible prophecy. Seven things that God promises prophetically for every believer's future. Seven things that if you know the Lord is your Savior, you're going to experience. The rapture, the trip to the Father's house, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage of the Lamb, the triumphal return with Christ, the millennial reign, and the eternal city, etc. And we spell that all out in detail. The book has already sold out the first printing and has gone to reprint and is doing very, very well. It's called Future Glory. And then in the meantime, I've been working for a whole year on a brand new study Bible with conservative notes, with the proper identification of Israel as Israel, not Palestine. That'll be released next year. We've just finished the work on it, and it's all starting to be laid out and go to press even now. Thanks again for joining me again today, Dr. Hudson. It's an honor to have you on the program. Thank you. God bless you. You have been listening to a portion of an interview from last October that I conducted with the late Dr. Ed Heinsohn. You know, when Dr. Heinsohn died, I picked up a couple of his books, and I noticed that he often wrote about heaven. In one book, he wrote, Everything that is truly precious to us Christians is in heaven. The Father is there. Jesus himself is at the Father's right hand. Many brothers and sisters in Christ are there too, and someday you and I will be. And then Dr. Heinsohn said, Everything we should love everlastingly, everything we rightly value, everything of any eternal worth is in heaven. As you can tell from Dr. Heinsohn's writing, he was a man who was focused on his future glory. On July 2nd, 2022, Dr. Ed Heinsohn ran through the gates of heaven into the arms of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He then heard the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Today we are featuring three resources from Dr. Ed Heinsohn. The DVD, How Close is the End? The book, Future Glory, Living in the Hope of the Rapture, Heaven and Eternity. And the book, Target Israel, by Ed Heinsohn and Tim LaHaye. All three of these outstanding resources, the DVD and both of the books, are available when you call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order this collection of prophecy resources by Dr. Ed Heinsohn on our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Did you know that our website, swrc.com, has over 700 prophecy materials? Books and DVDs that help bring clarity to the world and make sense of all of the nonsense. New items are being added almost every day. swrc.com. Hundreds of books and DVDs right there for you, your Sunday school, homeschool, or small group. Check it out, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Friends, our DNA may be one of the last battlefields, and it seems that many are seeking to transmute, enhance, and even weaponize it. Tomorrow, Sharon Gilbert will begin a series looking at the molecular Babylon that is already here. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Thank you.